0: He likes to sit on my lap in the morning. And he's one of those kids who doesn't seem to have this aura around them of distance. His psychological distance is not there. So he'll sit on my lap and then he'll turn his little face right this close to me. I have a little bit of psychological distance but he just ignores it completely. And uh, while he's talking to me, he will pull on my eyebrow while he's talking (laughs) and do something with my lip. It's very affectionate. And he calls me Papa, and he'll say things like, Papa, I love you. He's not always that cute, but (laughs) often enough. And I sit there, and my heart will... God give them grandchildren someday. It is the sweetest love of all. And while I'm sitting there thinking about my f- heart filling up with love for him and how protective I feel of him, about him and how much affection I feel for him, here's what I hear. David, this is from God. David, that's how I feel about you. Here's a way to talk about the gospel. We're worse off than we think we are. And we're so much more loved affectionately than we could ever hope or imagine. They're both true. We're so bad off, some of us self-righteously bad off, which is kind of the worst way to be bad off. And Calvin College attracts self-righteous people. I should know, I attended here. We're, we're so bad off, he had to die for us. We're so deeply loved, he wanted to die for us. So that's kind of an intro to who I am a little bit. And um, with that, I, if you're able to stand, um, stand in body or spirit, as your worship leaders say, because I want to read the text. And that's what we do in our congregation, is we stand in honor of the reading of the word of God. And I'm in John chapter 14, Verse 15 to 21. Listen for God's voice. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. and In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Those who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me and those who love me will be loved by my Father and I will love them and reveal myself to them. This is the word of the Lord. may be seated. seated. I want to pray one more time. Would you pray with me? God, I admit that I can't preach very well. I I get in my own way and I so want for people to hear your voice. So I admit that's a big challenge. And so I just pray, make this moment so alive with your spirit. May your holiness and your presence be evident. And I trust you, Lord, that when I ask you To be present in your word, you're here. And now it's time to preach, Lord. And I'm going to thank you in a few minutes when we're done. Amen. So, what goes through your, your heart when you hear this? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. there's a teaching here from Jesus about the relationship between love and obedience. And I think our human hearts quickly get it wrong. Imagine this scene, let's say you're all mothers and it's quarter to six and your sister and her husband and their children are coming over as well and you have three or four kids, let's make it three. And it's quarter to six and the, the your sister and the family, your guests will be here at six o'clock. And the uh, aroma of the food fills the kitchen and the table's set and you've lit some candles and you hear your kids and you start walking down the hallway and you look in the bathroom and their clothes are still on the floor. And just like this morning when you told them about this, the toilet paper receptacle is empty, and there's um, toothpaste spit stuff on the mirror and the faucets. And you go to their room and they're playing. And maybe you You need to motivate them for the next 15 minutes to do what you told them to do in the morning for the guests arriving. And so maybe you say this, if you really loved mommy, you would go clean up the bathroom and do what I told you to do. If you love me, obey me. You can hear that, can't you? maybe imagine yourself saying those words there is something about if you love someone you will do things for them you'll obey them so to speak that that's true in fact that's a measure in a way of your love And that's true about God and his love for us or our love for God. So when Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands, he is stating a fact, but he is also making a precious promise. Here's the promise. The more you love me, the more depth that you have of your love for me, the more obedience will come out of you naturally. So Jesus isn't here doing a guilt trip. Guilt is not a very good motivator. Love is a motivator. In fact, if you read this text in context, what you're supposed to do, look what happens. In, so this is chapter four, 14. Chapter 13 is about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Now, you've probably heard sermons on this text. So he kneels in front of people. You ever have this happen to you? You ever have somebody kneel in front of you and take your feet? What an expression of our humanity, our feet, right? And they wash your feet so they're kneeling in front of you and you're sitting in front of them so they're lower than you so imagine someone jesus himself so and that's a servant's job in fact if you if you read of the culture of the day jews weren't even supposed to do this kind of work gentiles were because it was so low so your rabbi is kneeling in front of you and peter objects don't you love peter Peter objects. He says, don't, you're not gonna wash my feet. And then Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. And then Peter says, oh, wash all of me. And Jesus says, no, you're already clean. If you go to the end of that chapter, Jesus is predicting that his disciples are all gonna leave. They're all gonna run away. And Peter says, oh no, not me self-reliant, self-righteous Peter, not me. And then that's where Jesus predicts that before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. Or before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And then we go into this chapter. And then you go into the 15th chapter, and that's the chapter about, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And Jesus starts to talk obedience language again there. And and then he talks about fruitfulness, so it's an agricultural metaphor. Your love, your obedience is actually a fruit of staying and abiding in Christ. Every once in a while a pastor runs across a movie scene or a story and they say, this is such a good scene, I've gotta preach a sermon that is that has that movie embedded in it. And my purpose tonight, one of my purposes tonight, is actually to have you fall in love with his movie and watch it. Because I think it is the greatest expression of the Christian gospel ever. It's a scene from Lamies or Lamies Arab. It's in the very beginning, so I'm gonna set it up and then we're gonna have the lights darken down and we're gonna watch about a three and a half-minute clip. <laughs> okay, so here's how it goes the protagonist in the movie is Liam Neeson or Jean Valjean, and he's a thief and he just gets out of prison and they don't have recovery programs back in the day so he's got nowhere to go and he has no money and he goes into this town and no one's going to take him in after all he's a thief so he's you're going to just sleep in the town square outside and it's fall and it's cold the bishop lets him in his house even though he doesn't know him lets him sleep there that night now imagine yourself being this thief just getting out of prison the only thing you know is thieving someone invites you to stay what are you going to do the next day Okay, so I've set up the scene, let's watch the the clip.
1: anybody there? Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madam know. offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you.
0: Dance? <laughs> there's a passage in the Bible that says this not with silver and gold have you been ransomed but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ so the most precious thing in the whole universe is the life of God and he gave it for us. Now, what happens in the rest of that movie is obedience. He is so shocked by this. You look in his eyes, I have have purchased you. I have rescued you from darkness and evil. That, That is such a beautiful exchange. The rest of the movie, he builds a business and hires people and spreads his wealth and intercedes for people. And do I give everything away? I mean, now you're going to want to watch the movie. How old is that movie anyway? Old as you? Older than you. It's such a great movie. They don't make movies like that anymore. The rest of the movie, he, he gives his life for other people because that has changed his heart, changed his heart. Some of you may have gotten raised with the Heidelberg Catechism. The first question and answer is probably the most famous one. Listen to how it goes. What is your only comfort in life and in death is the question. Here's the answer. That I am not my own, been purchased. I'm not my own, but I belong, body and soul, and in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all of my sins with his precious blood, set me free from the tyranny of the devil, and watches over me in such a way that not a hair from my head can fall without my Father's will. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ by his Holy Spirit assures me of eternal life. Now, listen to the end. Assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. So, what does this text mean? If you love me, you will obey my commands. It's a future tense. You will obey. It's not a should. Here's the truth. The more you love God, actually the more you love anyone, but the more you love God, the more the love of God comes out of you and it's a natural flow. The the more you keep connecting your life to that sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the more you know that Christ has set you free from the tyranny of the devil and washed away your sins and redeemed you and justified you, the more you're going to want to obey, it changes your life. Tim Keller is one of my mentors. He's a pastor. He tells this story that illustrates this point well. He says um, he's a pastor in New York City, and uh, people from the arts world and the media world will come to his church. And he noticed a young woman visiting over and over. She came by herself. And he pulled her aside one time and he said, Hello, my name is Tim. And she gave her name and he said, I'm just curious. I've seen you around here a little bit. What what brought you here? And she said, My boss. Um, I didn't grow up in the church, didn't know anything about what you're teaching. I'm not a believer, but I'm curious because of my boss. And he said, Well, tell me about that. I said, well, I work for a media company, she said, and uh, I had a project, and I blew it. I made some big mistakes in that project. It, it, It was fireable how bad it was. And my boss went to his boss and said, I don't think we should let her go because I didn't prepare her very well. I should have overseen this project better. We ought to keep her. And she found out about that. She found out why she didn't get let go or that her boss had covered for her. So she went in and she said, what's up with this? Why did you do that? And he said, uh, it's all right. Don't worry about it. I'm glad you're here and I'm glad we made, made it through that. But she wouldn't take that as an answer. She pressed some more. She said, now wait a minute. I've had bosses who have taken credit for things I have done. I've never had a boss who took the fall for things I did wrong. Who does that? And she pressed. And he finally said, well, let me tell you, I'm a Christian. And the love of my life is Jesus. And he laid his life down for me. For all the bad things I've done, he took the hit. So I'm trying to live out that same way. The gospel itself and Jesus' rescue of him changed his heart in such a way that when he finds opportunity to do the same for others, he wants to do it. So, how does this work? Why do you come... To church on Sunday night? Why do you come at eight o'clock in the evening when you probably got homework that's due tomorrow morning? Why do you gather around this place? Why do you keep singing these songs? Why do you keep listening to message like, messages like this? Part of the motivations is that your love for God deepens. So that the kind of things that Pastor Matt just preached about, he mentioned pornography. I mentioned self-righteousness because God in various ways can come to you tonight and say, I have rescued you, I have purchased you, you now belong to God, I've forgiven you, I've loved you. With that kind of love, your heart gets changed. if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, Jesus says. So. Some of you are not obeying God about anxiety. You're anxious about stuff. You worry about stuff. And God actually says to you, don't worry. I've got it. But you keep worrying. Pastor Matt mentioned porn. I hear that's a problem. So you're dealing with lust. And so when you hear the text, if you love me, will obey my commandments. That goes right there for you. Some of you are self-righteous and self-reliant. You probably wouldn't say I'm self-righteous. It sounds a little too much of a downer on yourself, so maybe I'll call you self-reliant. You've got some pride, self-preoccupation. So so humbling yourself, living with a, a strong sense of your need for God isn't much there. So I'm saying to you, I'd, I'd like to ask you to stand. You know you've got a problem with lust, let me pray for you, but I won't do that. I'm just saying we've all got those issues. And I want us to, just want to pray over you tonight and then the song we're going to sing, I heard the worship team singing it while I came in at about 7 o'clock because I want to just sit here for a while and pray over this this room. And they're singing, what's the name of that song? All I Have is Christ. It's a great song. It's the perfect song for this sermon. So if all this sermon does is set up this song for you to sing it with all your heart, because you're you're like that thief. That's who we are, right? Right? It's like, it's like God t- pulls your hood back tonight and says, I have paid for you. I've forgiven your sin. My blood was shed for you. So he pulls it back and says, don't forget. You now belong to God. So let's get our bodies involved a little bit during this prayer. Just Would you just open your hands before God as a way of opening your heart before God? And I know we've already done some confession. I'm just gonna pray over our, the state of our soul. Thank you, Jesus, for understanding the deep motivation of our hearts. Thank you for loving us and thank you for your your man john who also wrote in another place we love because he first loved us thank you for the depth of that love we want to be more obedient but we find ourselves being disobedient and looking to our record or looking to ourselves and trying to to extend more effort just isn't going to work and it hasn't worked And we go back to the same anxiety. We go back to the same lust. We go back to the same self-reliance. And so increase our love for you. Give us new visions of what you have done for us so that our lives are deeply shaken and then reshaped by the justifying gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for peeling back our hoods, so to speak, putting your finger under our chin, looking into our eyes and saying, I have bought you. I have rescued you. You belong to God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's sing.